Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Automation in paid marketing. Today we are going to learn more about that, how you can use automation. That's why I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Frederick Pelles. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Anatoly? I'm doing great. I remember the last episode, you shared a lot of valuable insights. So you led me to an emergency room to learn to consume all this content. That's why I'm so excited to learn more about that. Fred, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you have this t-shirt with Google on your background oh yeah so uh, that's not just a t-shirt that's my my jersey so i mm. uh, played hockey with the google founders with sergey and larry back in the day oh uh, nice so we all got our custom google hockey jerseys and so of course mine has uh, my last name on it number 11 my favorite number nice. but uh, <laughs> yeah this thing is 20 plus years old so it was in mm. 2002 that i was playing hockey with sergey in the parking lot uh before he was a billionaire before I even really knew who he was, like I checked him and, um, you know, and then people were like, hey, did you know that that was Sergey, the founder of the company? I was like, oh, who is that? <laughs> um, yeah, so I was nice. at Google super early on and mm -hmm. uh, I helped build a lot of what was then called AdWords. It was the AdWords evangelist, the first one at the time. And I was involved in the acquisition of Urchin, which then became Google Analytics and that's now becoming GA4. Um, was involved in building quality score, the ads editor, the first version, me and five other people basically created that. Um, so a lot of stuff that you use in Google advertising today, I had some hand in. And then after 10 years at Google, I quit and I started my own company, Optimizer. So we're a PPC management software and our goal is to help make the lives of advertisers easier through automation. Uh, basically, we want to make sure that as you, sp as you manage you know, thousands or millions of dollars of ad spend, you still have time to go home and spend time with your family on the weekends and in the evenings. Um, and automation is kind of a key part of that. Nice. Love it. Love it. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, let's talk about your soft. Can you tell what kind of benefits you have compared to others? Because uh, we have alternatives, uh, many alternatives. We have companies that can help with that. And uh, share your benefits why your soft is better and how it can help uh, companies to get more sales and save money uh, by paying for uh, marketing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so listen, the, the basic tenet here is that tools plus humans are better than tools alone. And I think Google for the last couple of years has really shifted towards providing a lot of free automation tools like performance max campaigns, smart bidding, and these are all really good at helping you be a more efficient advertiser. But at the end of the day, like what Google is building often has like Google's real goals at its heart, right? So how does Google make more money? And Google makes more money if they give you more conversions. And that, that's easy to do. But do you really want more conversions or do you want more profit? And, and that's really the heart of the question. So through tools like Optimizer, you can actually bring in your own business data, your own human intellect, and kind of layer on top of all of these cool automations from Google. So as Google is automating bidding, we have alerts that will tell you if it's making a stupid decision. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I found that my brand keyword Optimizer had been removed by Google because they, they thought it was a redundant keyword. 
their artificial mm -hmm. intelligence thought the misspellings were better keywords. And I looked at the data and these were more expensive keywords. They were driving fewer conversions. But that's sort of the risk, right? Like you, you use these tools from Google and sometimes they make good decisions, but sometimes they don't. And so you need something like software, uh, like Optimizer, which we call PPC insurance. You spend a little bit of money to get like this insurance so that your campaign doesn't crash. Google doesn't make horrible decisions for you. And you ultimately get better results by putting your human in intellect together with tools, together with our automations and get better results. Nice, nice. Okay, let's talk about uh, creating the right buying persona. It's interesting, you know, many years ago, I don't remember exactly, like 10 years ago, uh, I started all Google Ads campaigns without experience, uh, just setting the basic information uh, because I paid for click like five, 10 cents, not a lot. Today, I need to pay five, 10 dollars, no, 100 times more. Uh, that's why today I can't uh, avoid creating buying persona. I need to get more sales. Can you tell how to do it, right? How to find a buying persona? Because I see when companies analyze competitors and do the same, but it doesn't work. We have our unique selling proposition. We have uh, uh, our strong side. So any tips how to create the right, uh, the right buying persona today? Yeah, I mean, so how, how to get the right setup and the right persona and the right audiences. So uh, historically, Google advertising has been very keyword focused. And so a classic example would be if someone's looking for sneakers, well, is that a man or a woman? Is that a child or an adult? Um, what do you know about that person? Is it someone who's already shopped with your brand before or is it a new customer? And so in the past, it was like you didn't know you couldn't do anything with that. So you just had the keyword sneakers and then you just had to hope that the ad you were showing was going to land with whoever was seeing it. Nowadays, of course, there's a lot more demographic data. There's cookie data. And by the way, third-party cookies, that's like a whole other conversation. But Google Google still has ways to say, okay, well, like, listen, this person is an existing customer because you've already communicated that to us by having a, a list of who your existing customers are. So you can go to Google and you can say, bring us net new customers. And so they're going to deprioritize your ad from showing to existing customers based on the list that you've given them. Um, or you can say, well, I, I want to show these ads to women and these ads to men. So you kind of like segment it out or you can have different bids. You, you can, um, you, you know, if you find that women spend more money on clothes than men, um, and it could be the other way around. I spend a lot of money on clothes, right? More money than my wife, I think. Um, but like the, depending on whatever you find, like you can adjust the bids by gender, by demographics. And so adding all of this audience data really helps you achieve better results. And then there's one other angle to this. So if you go at Google's new campaign type, Performance Max, this is fully automated. But one thing that makes it work better from the start is by specifying audiences. And so you can say, okay, my ideal audience is someone who has been searching for these keywords or who's been visiting these types of websites. And so you can make a custom affinity audience through that, attach that to your campaign, and so it kind of steers the automation from Google in the right direction. And, and if you didn't do this, it would still get you results, but it might spend $2,000 kind of like putting the ads everywhere. And, and, and then it starts to figure out, okay, it works here, but not there. If you already give it an audience, you kind of point it in the right direction and you don't waste those couple thousand dollars uh, at the start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, valuable. 
Let's talk about AI. No, uh, that was simple to ignore, hard today, impossible to tomorrow. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. We created our AI tool that can help to create content for all website pages, but now uh, it's called golden button, but guys, it's not golden button. You need to edit, you need to provide uh, some level of creativity. And I'm interested about uh, how to be creative because uh, I see uh, AI can create uh, uh, ads, can uh, help to optimize titles, descriptions, uh, even uh, context, but it's not creative. And customers are not interested to click generic messages because AI is the best rewriting tool ever. Rewriting, <laughs> it's not creative. So can you tell how to be creative by using AI and how you adapt AI in your software to be creative? Yeah, I mean, I think you're making a fantastic point, which is the tool itself, whether that's GPT or some other generative AI system, the tool itself is not what's going to make you the best advertiser, but it's how you leverage that tool in your strategy, in your agency, in your advertising campaign. That's going to make the difference. And so uh, we've had GPT integration inside of Optimizer long before people were talking about chat GPT. We were using it to help you fill in the blanks when you had, uh, you you get to have 15 headlines for an ad. Maybe you only had 10, you ran out of creativity. And then we said, okay, based on these 10, let's ask GPT to fill in five more suggestions. And we give you 15 suggestions and then you could pick from those which ones you thought were the best, right? So it was an assistive tool. Uh, But one thing that's also very important, I think, is that as an advertiser, ChatGPT is fantastic. You can go to it. But if you're running a campaign with hundreds of ad groups, thousands of keywords, you're not going to go to ChatGPT to do yeah. to do this one by one, right? So you want this technology integrated into a, an advertising management platform like Optimizer. Uh, I also use a fantastic plugin for Google Sheets that uses the uh, OpenAI API to bring in GPT. And now I can have like a spreadsheet of, uh, of say, my merchant center data. And then for each of the columns, which is the description, um, I can say, go and look at the landing page and write me a description for the product on that landing page. And it rewrites it better than I could. And you can also say, like, try to stay within this many characters so that it fits when Google shows it as an ad. Um, So, yeah, and I I wrote a script. um, If you go on search engine land, uh, it was published this week, but it's a script that will give you RSA suggestions in a spreadsheet using GPT. So you basically just install it in your account and it'll give you suggestions. Um, And then I did a post on Search Engine Journal about two weeks ago, and it was like seven ways to use GPT to build a campaign from scratch, starting from like, here's my landing page, give me some keyword suggestions. And then once you have actual data flowing, you could say, okay, here's some search terms for which my ad has shown, like tell me which ones are not relevant. And it's actually really good at knowing what relevance means and scoring things, and then it kind of prioritizes, right? So again, it's it's not, I wouldn't let it decide for me what negative keywords to add, but it's helping me look through hundreds of search terms and prioritizing what it says, these are the worst ones. And then I can make more, uh, a more I can more quickly make a decision um, and save myself time and still protect my account from like wasting money. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, you remind me Bill Gates. Once he said about uh, priorities, for example, if he has product A and product B, after investing X amount of money to product A 
an X amount to product B. If product B can sell two times more, the second time he will uh, lead all money uh, to product B, ignoring product A, because product B will bring more. Can you tell about priorities? Because I see when companies have limited budget, but try to sell all products. How to choose these priorities? How uh, to analyze uh, and predict this uh, ROI before uh, spending budget to all products that you have? Yeah, I mean, so predicting the conversion rate, that, that can get a little tough, right? But I agree with that whole premise that you want to focus your limited budget where it's most effective. And so in Optimizer, we have a budget management tool and even after very few days of advertising, it'll already say, okay, listen, you're getting a much better return on ad spend for this campaign or this product category. And so, but, but it also says, well, but you're only getting half of the impressions that are available because you've restricted the budget too much. And meanwhile, you're spending money on these other campaigns that don't have the same return on ad spend. So we help you prioritize that and, and move more of the budget to fully capitalize on the best opportunity. And then if you still have budget left, then we can deploy it to other things. And I would say, be careful, right? Like putting all your eggs in one basket um, kind of ignores new opportunities. And so it's, it's great, like fully monetize that capability, but then try to get some more budget to keep experimenting with new things because consumer demand shifts. Um, you know, margins, supply chains, they change, right? So you, you want to make sure that you're well positioned to grow that business. And, and then also, if you think about it from the perspective of, should I invest in Facebook ads or YouTube ads or search ads on Google? Well, the search ad on Google is always going to look the best because it's generally the last thing people do before they purchase. Uh, like we, like you, you run a lot of stuff on YouTube. But then what do people do? Do they click in YouTube or did they remember the brand and they go search for it and then they convert? And so you're like, well, YouTube doesn't really do anything for me because that's what the numbers show. But no, actually, YouTube is really important. So we, we recommend that you never fully like stop advertising in these channels because they do contribute. You want to um, basically give attribution to that. And that also leads into attribution models, right? So how do you set up your measurement systems? Uh, it used to be historically all last click attribution. Now Google has shifted to um, the, the dynamic, the data-driven attribution, DDA. Uh, Microsoft has also made some changes to attribution, but, but you know, really think about um, measuring things correctly, even if you don't quite 100% know what that value is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh Let's talk about how to optimize headlines, titles, descriptions. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned before that. Uh, I'm interested, you know, uh, for example, I remember when David Ogilvy, uh, marketing legend, uh, told if you have a dollar budget, you need to spend 80 cents to uh, optimizing your title. And, uh, for example, if I read uh, uh, digital marketing blogs, I usually read titles because uh, I can't consume a teeny percent of new informations that are coming from, uh, I don't know, like search engine land, uh, journal that you mentioned. Uh, and uh, after reading the title, I can read description if I feel that it can bring some value to me, uh, then I decide to click or not. So can you tell how to optimize headlines today? Because I see, still see 
a lot of boring headlines, you know, that don't provoke to take action, to check out uh, the product, because people don't know about the quality without uh, opening any insights about that. Yeah. I mean, you said it right, Anatoly, it's uh, testing, right? Experimentation. And so Google nowadays, they run responsive search ads. So they force you to give um, headlines and descriptions separately. Whereas a couple of years ago, you would write a complete ad. Um, now, the question is, like, which headlines does Google put together? You don't quite know. But the strategy is usually provide some headlines that have your company name, your domain name in it, and then have some, like, really uh, value proposition focused headlines and try some catchy ones, too, and see, see what sticks, right? Uh, we did a massive study on responsive search ads about a year ago. And it was interesting because we see that more than 90% of advertisers are using RSAs. And by the way, this is the default. So any new ad you make mm -hmm. is an RSA. But inside of accounts, it was, it was less than 30% of all the ads are this new format, RSAs. RSAs, we also measured get like four times as many impressions as expanded text ads, the legacy format. So we really think you should make a push towards having responsive search ads across your whole account because it does open up new opportunities for more impressions. And then the other thing we measured is uh, those impressions, they do go up as you provide Google with more variations of the headline. So fully take advantage, put fully 15 headlines in there. And again, if you get stuck, GPT is fantastic. It'll make some recommendations. Yeah. Um, and come up with some good stuff. And then you go into measurement tools. Then you get into optimizer where we'll show you reports that say, oh, well, this headline, you've been using it across many of your ad groups and here's the aggregated results. Um, and you can start to find insights and you can very quickly then say, okay, well, I want to edit that because maybe, maybe it was too boring, like you said, right? Let's make it a little bit more catchy and do something else with this. So it's kind of like mm -hmm. this whole process of testing, iterating, measuring and doing it all again. Nice, nice. Uh once I watch a presentation about new Apple Watch, when Tim Cook shared about this gadget, uh, after that, I bought three pairs for me, for my son, for my wife, because, <laughs> yeah, these guys probably kill me if I buy only for myself. So, <laughs> but, you know, after watching this presentation, I got the feeling of owning this Apple Watch. I, I got that this gadget can simplify my life, decide some problems. And Tim Cook didn't share a lot of features about this Apple Watch, but he shared three stories how Apple Watch uh, helped others. Uh, and uh, I got it. I need to have it because I wanted this help as well. So can you tell how to create this feeling? Because it's not like to sell products. It's more about to sell solutions that will uh, decide our problems. Any tips about that? Yeah, and so when it comes to PPC and search ads, I think search ads are much more on the very factual, uh, mm -hmm. right? But, but then once you get to the landing page, that's when you get to sell that feeling. And that's also why, like, I'm a PPC guy, so I'm a Google ads guy. But we invest in YouTube. We invest in brand efforts that I can't measure because, you know, for me, I mean, I'm not selling the feeling like Tim Cook does it or Steve Jobs did it. <laughs> but what I am selling is, like, we have expertise. We have tons and tons of Google ads data. And we've gotten insights from that. And I want to teach people, right? And a lot of those people that hear this, that see this, they're not going to buy from me right now. But at some point in their life, they might find, oh, well, we have a problem. We wish we could do something more efficiently or differently. Um, and so then they've got that feeling that, oh, well, we've heard from Fred. 
Uh, maybe we agreed with him, maybe we didn't, right? If they agreed, then they're more likely to check out my software and have a good feeling about that. And so I would say like, it, it's the continuum, right? It's the whole spectrum of ads that you put together. Like YouTube is gonna be great for creating that feeling. And once that feeling has been created, then make sure your search ads are ready to capture that final demand, that final search, right? Because that's where your competitors are gonna be too. You've created the feeling and that like desire to get a solution. Uh, but then your competitor comes in and Samsung is like, oh, well, we have a watch too. Uh, Google, we have a watch too, Fitbit, right? But but what makes you go down the path with Apple? So you want to like defend yourself at that last yeah. stage by having those search ads and really touting the, the final value proposition and have a strong call to action that gets people over the finish line. Mm -hmm. Nice. So yeah, worth it. Okay. Uh, I want to share another story from Jeff Bezos. Uh, we mentioned about uh, Sergey Brin, Bill Gates, uh, and Jeff Bezos is another billionaire. And I'm interested, uh, you know, once um, I read um, an article when uh, Jeff Bezos uh, got data about a new product uh, that was Alexa uh, from a research team. Uh, and a research team asked him, please give more time. We need to research more to get more data. Then we can uh, think how to create this product. And he denied. He told, no way. We have enough data. We need to test, experiment, to analyze how it works. And uh, I spoke a few times with data experts. And many of them uh, tell that uh, over data can hurt more than uh, you know getting enough data. Can you tell what does it mean over data? Uh, so uh, if I got it correctly, it means like uh, it can mislead us or we don't know what to do. Any tips how to get enough data, not over data? Yeah, I mean, I think what they were probably talking about. And by the way, I think we, we, we need an Elon Musk quote as well, like <laughs> that we're going through all the billionaires here. Um, but so the, the problem is that oftentimes, and that's what Steve Jobs saying too, right? But like the customer doesn't know what they want. So... Mm -hmm. In, in the way that we may measure things, there may be an assumption that things are in a very traditional way. And so that impedes progress and true mm -hmm. innovation. So um, if you're coming out with a product like Alexa, which is so different, like how do you measure that? Like what is the correct measurement? Um, and just waiting too long for perfect solutions, perfect answers kind of like impedes you from getting it out there and, uh, and getting the results that you need. When it comes to Google ads, I would say they have experiment systems. And if you're going to try like new messaging, you can run that as an experiment, but you get into situations where it's just like your A-B test is even and it continues to be even and people never make a decision to like kill that because they're, they constantly wait for a winner to come out when there is no winner that ever is going to happen because you haven't made a good enough variation. And so that's where I think you have to be willing to, after a certain amount of, amount of time, to just say, like, stop. That contender was not working, so let's put in something different. Let's test it again. That's one thing. And then the other thing is we've seen advertisers, they go through five, six rounds of testing. And every time the, 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 the new experiment loses, and the new one loses, and the new one loses. And what that does is now for, like, six months you're basically costing yourself conversions because every time the, 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 the contender ad shows, you get fewer conversions out of that. 
So at some point, just say like, listen, we have something pretty good here. We're not able to get something better in place. So stop. Let's just be happy with the conversions we have here and maybe experiment with something else that might have more of an impact. It could be the landing page, um, could be a new ad platform. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think testing, experiment, you know, marketers don't know what actually work. We need to test, to analyze, uh, to find it. <laughs> and uh, Fred, I have the question about mistakes. You know, I do a lot of mistakes in my life. Uh, I keep doing them. I did a lot of them. <laughs> but right. it's like uh, the part of the process. You know, I don't know another way how to learn something new. Uh, but because I think everyone starts from basics then uh, we can adapt to find what actually will work for us can you tell about common mistakes that companies still do in uh, paid marketing and your tips how to find a much better way yeah i mean i think some of the most common mistakes is just following google's advice a little bit too blindly mm -hmm. um, so google has so many advertisers they often say things that work for the majority case but, but remember the majority case is people who are not professional marketers um, who are not sophisticated who don't have a ton of time they may not have access to tools to do things like absolutely the right way um, so understand what google is saying probably is speaking to that audience segment and that may be different from what you can achieve if you have a little bit more resources if you're a professional marketer whose job it is to do this day in day out um and so kind of i think understanding that is going to set you up for more success because now you're going to start doing some things that may not exactly be in line with what google said but they could actually work better for you and so you know some simple examples would be even if you're going to try a performance max campaign have multiple campaigns and each of those campaigns can have a different target a different goal because you probably have different margins or you have different success rates based on the, the, the types of leads that you collect. Um, and putting that all in one basket is basically telling the machine system that just get me as many conversions as you can and try to be within this like return on ad spend or this cost per acquisition. And so the winners start subsidizing the losers and it's like this basket effect, it's a portfolio effect. And portfolios are great. Portfolios will maximize the number of conversions but they also blind you to the fact that, hey, there was like, this thing was a loser. And why was it a loser? If you had actually known that and paid attention to it and done an optimization, maybe split it out so you could optimize it, you would have made that better and everything would have lifted up. Right? And so I think that's one of the biggest mistakes is that people get stuck on averages. They kind of like try to keep things too simple when there's actually a lot of opportunity by sometimes being a bit more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. Interesting. Uh, Fred, I found that, um, you know, I usually get uh, much better results with someone who understands SEO. So if uh, companies understand how SEO works, we can go ahead like a cohesive team, you know, because uh, results depend on creating high quality content about optimizing website uh, to increase the speed to get uh, uh, authoritative relevant backlinks uh, but i found when people uh, wanna uh, find experts specialists who can help them without understanding it's hard to go ahead because uh, marketers are not magicians we don't know how to go ahead without this help it's like i don't know if someone wanna lose weight uh, 
uh, you need to understand why you need to eat healthy food, to drink water, to train hard, something like this. So uh, can you tell, for example, if you have no experience, if you started from scratch without anything, anything, just completely from scratch, you didn't play hockey with Sergey Brian. So what would, would you do today to learn more about paid marketing? Yeah, listen, I... Um... I would read up on the blogs, search engine land in particular. They always have the, like sort of the latest and greatest. I think there's also some great Slack communities. Uh, the Paid Search Association has a Slack channel and a lot of experts are in there discussing what works, what doesn't, newest strategies. Um, so that's a newer thing that I would recommend on Twitter um, for as better that's still working or not. Uh, that's up for debate, but like PPC chat happens on Twitter every week. And that's another great forum where experts just uh, just share. So I would look to who are the people that have been doing this for a long time, who kind of understand the nuance and, and learn from them. I also think it's important as everything becomes more automated that we kind of keep sight of how these automations work, right? And, and, and like one risk is that, sure, we have automated bidding and we can set a return on ad spend goal. But I still have to understand how you calculate profitability in search marketing, right? And that depends on the margin of the product. Um, and the margin of the product, honestly, that's not something a lot of people look at. They just look at ROAS as the end-all, be-all metric. And it's not. It's just a lever that gets you to where you need to be. But if you don't know the other portions of that lever and you just put it on automated bidding, you may actually not achieve the goal that you thought you were achieving. Nice. Yeah, get it. And my final question about the future. You know, many things are coming. I don't know. We will see this future, probably metaverse, probably something else. We have AI today. It's not the future. It's present, but uh, it's only the beginning of AI journey. I think AI will uh, update a lot um, in a few years. So can you tell uh, or forecast what kind of future will be and how marketers can adapt today to this possible future. Yeah, I mean, so I've got two books that I've written, so check them out on Amazon. They really talk about being a marketer in this age of automation. Um, I'm actually updating the, the most recent book to talk about GPT because that's one thing that I did get wrong. I thought it would take much longer for the computers to be as creative as they are now. Um, but, but, but I think again, acknowledging the point we made earlier, which is like, there's these amazing tools, but it's how you deploy those tools in a human team that ultimately makes the difference. It's not like you can go to GPT and say, run my ads campaign. It can do all the portions of it, but like how it puts it together, how it connects it to your business data. That's the thing that you still bring. And, and so think of yourself more as a strategist than a button pusher, right? So figuring out the exact keywords the machines are pretty good at that now. But like, how does that relate to your business? That is something the machine doesn't get because it's usually trained on a much broader data set, more generic advertisers. Like it doesn't understand the specific nuances of your business. And so that's what you bring in as the strategist. So, so be more focused on that. And by the way, like I, I said, there's three human roles really that you should try to be. So be the PPC doctor, the PPC pilot, and the PPC teacher. And very briefly, I mean, so the PPC doctor is about knowing what are the solutions out there. So what is the best tool for the problem that we're seeing? The PPC pilot is about looking at what is the machine doing and is it making good decisions or is something broken in the decision-making process? And then can we correct it and still safely land this plane? 
And then the PPC teacher is about bringing in that business data, right? So these generic machine learning models, how do we tweak it to be more in line with what matters to my business, my business data, and then it's going to be even more effective. So something as simple as correctly communicating what is a real conversion, not just a form fill on your page, but like a form fill that turns into a customer. How do we communicate that back to the the machine learning system that manages bidding so that it can bid for high quality leads as opposed to just people filling out the lead form, but they're not converting. Nice, Fred. It's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. You always, always, always share a lot of value. Uh, tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you, from you, how to follow you, how, how to reach out to you. Yeah, this has been great being here. So uh, follow me on PPC Town Hall. It's the, the show that we do where we bring in experts as well and talk a lot about Google Ads. Uh, check out Optimizer, O-P-T-M-Y-Z-R. We got a free trial of that software. We got consultants who can show you how to get really good use out of it. And then I'm at Silicon Valleys on Twitter. Um, LinkedIn, getting much more active on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a fantastic channel, by the way, uh, in this day. Like, who cares about Instagram? When you're in business, like, LinkedIn is the place to be. It's getting really active. Um, so connect with me on LinkedIn as well. And Anatoly, thank you so much for having me on the show. Okay, guys, you can find all these links to Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, to websites, and even more to Amazon Books. That, guys, I recommend to anyone to read, to learn more about how paid marketing works, because you can see uh, Fred is updating this book, so you can learn a lot from that. Uh, it's a big pleasure again. Love it. So valuable. Welcome back anytime, because I can feel this value. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.